is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning. Today we continue our series titled The Difference It Makes The Easter Story from John's Gospel. The title of the preach today is Life is Precious. Your life is precious. My life is precious. The life of people around us is precious. And we'll be reflecting on the crucifixion of Jesus. It is always great to see daffodils at this time of year springing up, signifying the transition from winter a period of cold, dark days to spring, bright and sunny days where plants that have gone into hibernation spring back to life. It is a sign of hope. It's a period of hope of better, brighter days ahead. The Easter story also brings us hope. The Easter story is about God restoring man to himself through the death of his son Jesus. And as we heard at the beginning of this series from Martin, the story of hope is based on the fact that even when we mess up, we can find restoration in him. And last week, we heard from Tim that the Easter story has provided an escape route for us from the stronghold of sin through the death of Jesus, and that we can experience peace and freedom. For whoever the Son sets free, he is free indeed. And my prayer is that as we reflect on the story, we will all come to experience and know the power of the cross and its ability to make a real difference in our life. And if you've been listening to this series and you've not yet given your life to Christ, then my prayer is that you also come to a decision point so that this story can be of benefit to you too. The Easter story is at the core of our belief. Without Easter, we will not have any Christian belief. And therefore, it's important that we grasp the truth in this story that has brought us from a place of hopelessness to a place of hope through the death of Jesus. So before we look at the story of crucifixion, I wanted us to set the scene to understand why Jesus had to come to die in the first place. Now, the first point I want to make is that the origin of life itself is in God. And so when God created us, 
we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you are an image of God. That was the purpose. That was the intention. I am an image of God. Your children are, your relatives are, everybody you see around bears an image of God because we are his creation. We all descended from his creation. But along the line, something happened. Disobedience came in and that led to separation between God and man. And that disobedience, you can read from uh, Genesis chapter 3, led to Adam and Eve being banished from the garden and leading to a separation between God and man. We turned our own ways, as we see in Isaiah chapter 53, that we were like sheep that have gone astray, each, per, each sheep going its own direction and doing whatever they pleases. There was no moral compass then. Everybody defined truth. Everybody defined morals that seized them and then went with it. And this is why we have sin in abundance. We have evil in abundance in our society. Because each of us are living to fulfill our fleshly desires. And so when sin dominates, when evil dominates... The acts or the fruits are clear for us to see, as described in Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 20. The acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, adultery, hatred, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, factions, envy, all these are signs, are manifestations of a sin-dominated world. But it didn't end there. God, in his mercy, in his love, looked down on his creation and out of love sent his son to the rescue. And we read in Romans chapter 5, 7 to 8 and 19. It says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. What beautiful words here. So Paul is describing what really happened here. That to die even for a good person is difficult. Even when it comes to organ donation, it's difficult. And it's not easy for anybody to give his life for another person, even if the person is good. 
let alone an evil person, someone who has disobeyed and went their own way. But it says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still very deep in our evil ways, Christ died for us. Sometimes we feel that because of what we've done in the past, because we've been so bad in the past, because of the many failures, we cannot be good enough for God to care about us. I want you to know this morning that it's because of you that Easter exists. It's because of you that we have the Easter story. No matter your past, God cares about you. There was no real basis for Jesus to come and die for us, except for his own love for us. And the intention was to restore that relationship. So just as true one man, one man's disobedience, all of us became sinners. Through the obedience of God, of, of Jesus, the many will also become righteous. You see the difference here. It says the many will become righteous. It's for us to accept what Jesus did on the cross and then that righteousness becomes ours. It's not automatic. It is our free will. Now to the crucifixion story. Jesus' love for us led him to the cross. And so if you are wondering why he died such a sinful death, it's because of you and me. And we have Vicky reading the story of the crucifixion from John chapter 19, 16 to 42. So let's listen to the story. I'm reading from John chapter 19, verses 16 to 42. The crucifixion. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called Place of the Skull, or in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected, and they said to Pilate, Change it from the King of the Jews, to he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, 
the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so he soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfilment of the scripture that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced. The burial of Jesus. Afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus's body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus's body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb that had never been used before. And so, because it was the day of the preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Thank you, Vicky. So the crucifixion was a Roman form of execution. The condemned were forced to carry their own cross and paraded across the principal streets so that they act as as a deterrent for others. And the method of execution varied. Sometimes people were nailed to the cross, sometimes they were tied as well. And it was a very slow and painful death. And until Jesus' death, there was a complex unending system of sacrifices to atone for the sins of man. Sin separated us from God, and the only way we could get close to God was the atonement of our sins through the blood of animals. And because this was continuous, it kept, you know, every time there was sin, 
um, there needed to be sacrifice. But the, the, the true story is, the great news is that Jesus became the final and ultimate sacrifice for sin. The word, it is finished, that is used in this uh, verses we read, means paid in full. Jesus came to finish God's work of salvation, to pay the full penalty of our sins. Hallelujah. And therefore, our sins are paid in full. The sins that we've done in the past, those that we are aware of, those that we are not aware of, it has all been paid in full. Now, the death of God's love for us is demonstrated on the cross. The king himself, he who knew no sin, came into the human form, endured suffering for our sake so that we will come into a restored relationship with God. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 to 25 reads, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your faith. Such a beautiful verse describing what the cross has done for us. That we are no more strangers, but we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our, of our souls. And what difference does the crucifixion make? The first point is that your life matters to God. He took him to the cross. Because of God's love for you, he was willing to come down in human form to endure the shame and pain of death on the cross to reconcile you to God. Why? Because you matter. Your life is precious to him. Remember, he is the origin of life. He created you. And God knows you by name. We know we the story in Luke chapter fifteen and verse uh, uh, Luke chapter fifteen, around the the story of the ninety nine sheep versus the lost sheep. The shepherd left the ninety nine to go and look for the lost one to bring the lost into his fold. God cares about you as an individual. He knows you by name. He knows all the details about your life, all your failings. And if it was only you, God would have still come to die on the cross because he cares about you. You are precious to God, irrespective of your shortcomings. That is the second point I want to make. And your worth 
in life is not dependent on what you have done or not done, but on what Jesus did on the cross. How he sees you is not dependent on what you've done. It's not dependent of, on all your weaknesses. It's not dependent on your failings, but it's dependent on what he did on the cross. During his ministry on earth, he was very interested in people despised and rejected by society, like Zacchaeus and the Samaritan woman. God loves you irrespective of our shortcomings. He came to die so that he can fix those shortcomings. Allow him into your life today, for he came because of you. The third point is that Jesus' death on the cross freed us from condemnation. The tactic of the devil is to cause us to live under constant condemnation when we've messed up. This causes us to devalue our lives and to question our worth. The NHS recently conducted a survey and it found that the number one cause of death in men under 50 was suicide and is due to this gold standard that puts pressure on men. Is this pervasive little voice that whispers, you have failed unless you've gone out and said for that job, you had that house, that car, children, sunny family life. And then on the, on the flip side, if you lose your job, you can't pay your debts, your rent, your mortgage, your bills, then life is over. To my dear brothers, to the men, no matter the challenges that you are facing, life is not over. I felt this was a very special message for the men. God is saying life is not over, irrespective of your failings. And it applies to all of us, irrespective of the failings that we've all experienced, life is not over. Don't allow the devil to, don't entertain that lie from the devil. Remember, he is the accuser of the brethren. Life is not over. Jesus cares and loves you. And that is why he came to die for us. The devil is only interested to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When we read John chapter 10, verse 10. But Jesus says that he has come, that we might have life and have it to the full. So what is our response? If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then it's an opportunity to rejoice and thank him for his amazing life, love and sacrifice for us. Are you under the condemnation of sin and your failings and shortcomings? Know that there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. Jesus paid the price. He paid it in full and it is finished. If you are listening to this message and if not giving your life to Jesus, today is that opportunity to also benefit 
from the death of Jesus Christ. He says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you need to talk to someone for help, if you need to reach out for help, please speak to your community group leader, a trusted friend, or, or reach to the church via the email address uh, uh, listed there, and help will be available. Let us rejoice in what Jesus has done on the cross. He paid it all, and we stand in him complete. There is no condemnation for us. Hallelujah. May God richly bless you. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.